All right. TKW Podcast, episode one. Um, feeling good about it. Let's hop right in. Um, I'm Anthony Corbo. I'm Kyle Maggio. And this is the Knicks Wall Podcast. Um, for those of you who don't know, the Knicks Wall is a site for Knicks fans looking for some real, professional, engaging discussion. Uh, and for those who aren't afraid of sometimes getting a little controversial, not always popular, but... Uh, yeah, we know you're all tired of hearing the same takes regurgitated over and over again. So we're here to give you something a little different and get you involved, too. Exactly. Yeah, so let's hop right in. Uh, we are we had just finished watching the season opener of the 2016-17 season. And like the last couple of years, it wasn't exactly pretty. No, uh, not at all. Um, well, it started out okay. I mean... The first half wasn't too bad uh, in terms of... Well, yeah, of, I mean, by halftime, it was it was tied up or just about... I think it was a three-point uh, game. I mean, it was it was close after, you know, Cleveland started to, to really break away a little bit. I think they were up 14 at one point, and then within a few minutes, we got the lead back down to three. And, and the first half kind of was what I think we all hope we see from Rose, where... It was competitive, yeah. He was competitive, and he was... Now, he has had a high turnover rate the past couple of years, but I want to attribute probably some of these to just being a little bit rusty and not playing with these guys at all, um, especially against the defending champs, no less. So you kind of give yeah. him a little bit of an excuse for this first game, but um, he did some nice things. He he got to the hoop. I mean, there was a couple of nice kickouts. I know there was one. He curled off of a screen, started driving to the basket, drew in Melo's defender, and then kicked out to Melo in the corner. And that's sort of the thing that we need to be looking out for the whole season. If that's a constant, then this team can be successful. Yeah, totally agreed with that. Um, I was just noticing the pace um, still was able to hold up with Horn second there. Rose, I mean, he was getting to the basket. He showed some flashy moves, but it was a little... A little too flashy for me. You can kind of compare him and the night that LeBron was having. Both of them were trying to be a little bit flashy, but we know who got the better of who in the situation. Yeah, I mean, and it didn't help that virtually at the same time, both Rose and Melo went ice cold, and they both started out hot. I think uh, Melo started yeah. out 5 of 7 for 12 points. Yeah, 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 12 points. Like, right, right he had 12 points by the end of the first quarter, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, Rose started out 6 of 10, which was better than we've seen, and um after that they went cold and to start the second half i think rose misses next five shots and then there was the infuriating thing that you know we've we've touched on the past couple of weeks was what where would kp get the ball would he get the ball and it seemed like not that he was you know frozen out of the offense at all but there was no real design for him he just sort of ended up open for a couple of threes and then he got the ball and he shot well and that's something that they really need to look at. Like, why are we not trying to free him up, run him off some screens, get him open? You know, that's something that we need to really rely on as a crutch because Melo and Rose have this tendency to go cold at times. And we saw that tonight. We had a competitive game and then they just dropped off and then suddenly we're down 20. Yeah, no, I feel that Porzingis didn't impress me tonight, though. He looked rusty still. He looked, uh, you know, he was getting the ball at a couple of places and then losing it right away. Uh, you know, I don't blame the guy for his shot not being on, but it, you know, he had some, I'm not saying he had a bad game. He had some really nice opportunities, but 
I definitely saw him being a little sloppy out there, especially on the defense, um, taking way too many risks. That were, it was leaving Kevin Love open at the basket way too many times. I was seeing a lot of uh, a lot of open dunks down there. Um, you know, and I don't I don't mind him taking risks a lot of times because he is the shot blocker of this team. Um, you know, that's his go to. But he can't he can't be overcommitting all that often. It was leading to way too many lapses and it was throwing the entire rotation off as a result of it. Yeah, the one thing I noticed especially was he was seemingly terrified of love being open in the corner because he was yeah. crashing out dangerously hard, which is Good because the MO on Love is that he's the corner knockdown shooter. So like you got to get out there, but at the same time, you know he was backpedaling immediately, and Love was kind of looking for it, and Love just yeah, went right they, at him a couple of times for I think there was one and one, and then a couple of layups, and you know that's kind of troubling. That if he's if we're gonna play that kind of aggressive style of defense, then the, the interior D is gonna have to step up, and there was a lot of confusion on the rotations for that tonight. Yeah, and, and look, I really don't blame them tonight. I mean, they had to watch the Cavaliers get a ring. They had to watch JR and Iman get their rings down. They watched the banner getting raised. They knew that LeBron was going to try to have a crazy night like this. And they're they're playing in Cleveland where the Indians are playing for a freaking World Series right now. Like, it, it's they were a little distracted tonight, and we know there's so many uh, you know question marks coming in with this team anyway that... I, I was looking for a little bit more out there. They just look a little confused. Um, I'm hoping that it can get shored up pretty soon. Um, but just just switching and just, just basic things that I guess will come with playing in a faster offense that they just don't have yet or just faster game all around. But, I mean, particularly I had my eye on KP, and I was watching him get lost in a lot of switches playing with Lance Thomas. Um, particular, I saw one in third. Um yeah, but it seems like they are adjusting to a faster game. Um, it seems to be a little bit more in Rose's favor, even though he couldn't make a shot at the rim for anything. Um, was, he was good getting there, but his layups just went nowhere. Well, pretty much right after the first quarter, because the first quarter, I think he went two of three at the rim because there was one he had a nice little cutting, swooping layup. Sure, yeah. And, but then after, and then initially, all of us were probably at the same time like, oh, okay, this is nice, this is enjoyable, and then. Right after that, we saw more of the same we saw the last year and a half, which was he gets to the rim, and instead of trying to draw the contact, he's contorting. And and that's sort of yeah. the trouble th- troubling thing, too, because we already complain enough that Melo doesn't get the calls we think he should be getting, and now we have Derrick Rose contorting, and fans kind of mistake that if a guy gets to the basket and there's a little bit of contact and he contorts, he's, not, he's never going to get the call. If you go straight up and you try to make the layup going straight up, you'll always get that call. Nine times right. out of ten. But contorting, but thing, you're avoiding the contact. The thing with Rose still, even when he was getting he was getting his shot, he was making his shots, he was going high for them, he was being a little flashy with it, but it was just, it scares me because he, he's so reckless when he goes up there. I mean, you're talking about a guy with major, major injury troubles over the last couple of years, and he's still playing as recklessly as he used to. He's not adapted to his game in any way. I don't see how the guy makes it half a season if he's going to play the same style without trying to adapt to this new team. Again, it is the first game. I get it. He hasn't had any practice with this team either or anything. But I'm just looking for a little bit of a little bit of care in there, I guess. Which which is absolutely correct. I mean, there's always going to be that concern. But at the same time, it's sort of the double-edged sword with Rose and the player that he is, is if you want him to be 
effective. Like, let's say he is healthy. Let's say there's nothing holding him back now. He's fully healthy. There's no kinks this season going into it. You know, if he's ever going to be as effective as he used to be, you got to let him be the player that he was. And the only thing that you could hope that he changes maybe isn't the recklessness, but picking when to finish the job, so to speak. So when he's cut into the basket, when is it time to give up and kick out, which is something he's been poor at. So maybe instead of just kind of ramming his head against the wall, trying to get to the basket all the time and contort like he used to, instead just drive and then kick. That's it. You have shooters. Catch it. We've talked about this a thousand times. Catch and shoot metal, lethal. KP lethal. KP is showing to be lethal. So you got to trust those weapons on the outside now. And even Justin Holiday knocked down some threes tonight. He looked okay. I like the other saw from him, yeah. Defensively, he in that second unit, they were trash. But I'm, again, I'm going to chalk that up to playing the champs at home on your first game with a completely new team. And I'll make with the World Series being played in the same series, too. A lot of excitement. I mean, I'll, I'll give them one sturdy pass and then. Then we're moving on because after this, yeah. you gotta, you're gotta. you a professional athlete. we got to get it together. But, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll say that the uh, second unit did look worse than I thought they would. Kyle um, O'Quinn in particular, and I hate bashing a fellow Kyle, but Kyle O'Quinn looked just <laughs> god-awful out there. I mean, he was a step slow. He was fouling everybody. It was just abysmal. I was just woefully disappointed with Kyle O'Quinn. He fired that alley-oop to Mello in the uh, first quarter, though. Yeah, he got, that's, he got that's his Vine highlight, but... With, yeah, that's a big problem with Kylo Quinn, though, because he keeps on showing up. He'll he'll throw those little highlight passes or do something, like, crazy, like, out of the blue, and everyone will be talking about it for a day or two. But then the same game, yeah, he ends up with, like, four meaningless fouls. Uh, he looked all right on the glass tonight. He was, looked, uh, he was catching a few offensive rebounds, especially that I saw. That's what's um, infuriating. He looks he that, looks I like mean, an NBA player. He should be an NBA right. player. And then so oftentimes he doesn't do the things required of an NBA player. Uh there was there was one point in particular I saw him when he shot that three. I mean, I'm just looking at it, but he catches it wide open space. I'm just like, You're gonna do it. You're gonna shoot that three. Of course I he know is. it. And of course he does, and of course he bricks it <laughs> off the front of the rim. Uh so Kinks to be worked out on that second unit for sure. Uh, Lance Thomas uh, didn't impress me a little at all. Uh, Def- jumping back to the starting lineup too, Courtney Lee looked just woeful out there. You know what? He looked awful, but I will give him this much: the couple of hustle plays that he made that normally would be like regular hustle plays. You save the ball, you throw it to your teammate. Like the worst possible stuff happened to him like I, the one in particular like he saved the ball from going out of bounds good hustle play he turns around and hums it right to Kyrie Irving who runs right to the basket and mm-hmm. I don't remember if he made the layup but someone made a layup and it's like that was the kind of night that it was like even when you did do a good thing it wasn't really a good thing yeah yep that's just kind of it's kind of night it was you're right uh yeah but I guess decent things towards the end of the game too. I uh, I made sure I was watching through the fourth quarter. It was difficult, but it was difficult. Finished the game out. Um, thought that the you know the defense went away entirely once the uh, the subs came in and all the rookies went on the court, which is to be expected. I mean, they were there's no way they were coming back in that fourth quarter. But uh, I saw a couple of nice plays coming out of Billy. Um, he had a couple of nice uh, opportunities under the rim. Uh, Kuzminskis looked pretty good, I thought. Just a uh, solid play from some of those guys. Baker looked a little bit lost out there, but again, oh, it's a hard game to kind of assess. 
Speaking on Billy, at least, I'm of the mind that we're going to progressively start to see more of him and less of Kyle O'Quinn. Just because I feel like Kyle O'Quinn is way too inconsistent on the boards, way too inconsistent with his scoring, picking his spots for that matter. But at least Billy has a game plan. Like, you know where he's going to get the ball. You know where he wants the ball and where he's effective with it. And he's kind of he's pretty decent on the boards. Defensively, he needs work. So if you pair him in the right group, like let's say you stagger the lineup so that Billy comes in at the four, Noah's at the five, and that allows KP to come back um, at the five later on, you know, something like that I think would be beneficial over starting go Quinn and whoever else. They, I mean, who, who came in as a... Um, the, it was O'Quinn who came in as the five tonight, right? Off the bench. Uh, yeah, yeah. He was play, he was playing a lot of five. Um, because Billy, especially towards the end there, uh, O'Quinn was at the five, and you had Billy playing the four, which is kind of not ideal either. And that kind of goes to the, like the next point I was looking at too is that the rotations were just weird tonight. Well, they went they went full full five. They took five, the whole the the starters right out, and they put the whole first five off the bench in. And, yeah. And that's troubling. There's there's no staggering. There's no experimenting. And again, I, I guess first game, I don't know what maybe he was trying to feel out uh, in terms of Hornacek, but I, I didn't like it. it. Didn't make that that lineup that got us into the deficit in the uh, early on in the second quarter. There, I, I didn't understand. Any well, yeah, I didn't understand that. I didn't understand uh, not seeing Porzingis for a while between the first and the second. He kind of disappeared in there. And then when he came back, I didn't understand the pairing of him at the five with Lance Thomas at the four. You know, there's rarely any opportunity that I want to see Lance Thomas playing the four. But if KP's at the five, I want to see Melo at down rocking at the four. The lineup- we know how effective he's been. And if they're going to really try to make that the lineup of the future, then they got to start implementing it now. The line, Yeah, and the lineup that I – kind of building on that, the lineup that I want to see the most going forward would be uh, basically, I mean, Roser or Brandon Jennings, whichever one at that point in the game your point man I, i'd lean rose I, he's less of a liability i, I think than uh, jennings is depends if he can even play the game basketball if he's gonna be this reckless but yes but but uh I, i'd throw rose in and then lee alongside him probably throw lance at the three mellow at the four and kp at the five and i think that's one way that we can really see like that lineup of the future i think that's kind of working along the lines of what we'd want to see well, yeah, I don't. I I would just like to see it implemented at stretches. I'm not saying you got to start, you know, oh, uh, KP yeah. at the five or Mel at the four. I did because you got Noah there, and Noah, you know, he's admitted to being a step slow. I, I've liked what I've seen from him so far. He hasn't been flashy, but you know, I'll allow him to come along in time. Um, but he's going to be there. I mean, no one can argue that at least for the next couple of years until his contract expires or he gets traded. There's no way KP is going to be starting at the five. Uh, but if they can at least start implementing it and working it in a little bit, like that should be the goal, and we didn't see much or any of that tonight. And it also kind of looked like um, Noah was on a little bit of uh, minutes restrictions tonight too, because he, yeah, he only played sure. 19 minutes. So not that I, I think that had any bearing on the outcome of this game. I think this was determined long before they uh, stepped into the arena tonight. But, you know, that's that's something to keep an eye on going forward, I guess. Just seeing how many minutes he plays this week in particular, especially against a really big and tough Grizzlies team that's coming yeah. up next. Yeah, uh, the Grizzlies game should be interesting. Um, a lot of... Uh, an opportunity, though, I think, for our guards to um, show something there. 
I mean, I, I'm not as hot on Tony Allen as a lot of people are. Uh, never really have been, but he is uh, definitely a little bit slower in uh, recent years. I've always um, been high on Tony Allen, but yes, as, as of this year, I, I yeah, I, he he's getting old. He's getting up there. Right. Although he's still right. a they capable have... defender, yes, he's yeah, he's, he's still slower. Ca- he's still capable. I'm I'm not taking that away from him. But they also don't have that crazy uh, like death defense lineup or like not uh, that they were they had before that where they had uh Barnes and they had Courtney Lee and they had uh uh what do you call and you know Tony Allen out there too. You know, not having Courtney Lee there is does something to them. Not having Matt Barnes there does something to them. And I think that'll let the guys that we have that really need to kind of come out a little bit more I think it should give them the chance. I think these next two games that we got coming up, Pistons on Tuesday, Grizzlies on Friday. Uh, it's going to give these guards a little bit of a chance to grow, at least. Uh, yeah, I agree entirely, and especially the Pistons game. I, I know I predicted an 0-3 week to start initially, but uh, the Pistons game, especially with that Reggie Jackson injury, it's it's a very... If there was a winnable game that we needed early on in the season, this would be the game right there. Yeah, uh, and we'll see. I mean, they're starting Ish Smith now. Is that is that their starter? Yep, uh, former, for, uh, twice former Philadelphia 76er, Ish Smith. Yeah, and I, I would be super optimistic about that game too. But last season, Ish Smith was running circles around the Knicks. I mean, he scored like he had a crazy, he had like a crazy assist game. He scored pretty well one game against us. He he's shown to kind of. I mean, it's a different team this year, different philosophy and offense entirely. But I'm not so quick to write him off right away. But I do think that having this game out of the way, having this Cavaliers game out of the way finally, it should at least give them some room to grow against these next two teams. Yeah, no, I I agree. I mean, I, I think we were going to split these next two, but, uh, you know, I'd love to be wrong, as always. All right, so splitting the next two, which ones? Which do we take? Are we taking Pistons or are we taking Grizzlies? Uh, I... Pistons. It's a road Pistons. game. It's a road game, but I, I'd go Pistons. Just without Reggie Jackson, and that's our Achilles heel is our guard play. I would go Pistons is the winnable game. I don't foresee a victory. I'm going to stand by my 0-3 prediction from last <laughs> week. But um, if I put any stock in a game, we'd win and beat the Pistons. I don't. Yeah, I don't really have a... Uh, I really don't feel like I have any clear way that I can lean. Uh, I could see us going 2-0, 1-1, or 0-2. But I would probably say that the Grizzlies game is a more winnable one, in my opinion, just because I feel like um, they're going to have some momentum to come off of after this loss and losing this badly in opening night and doing the same thing for another year in a row. Um, yeah, I, th- I think guys might be pushing a little bit harder or, in Rose's case, hopefully pulling back a little bit. Well, and real quick, speaking on Rose, after the game, uh, Chris Herring sent out, I think it was Chris Herring sent that tweet. It was it was one of the uh, Knicks guys that were at the availability after the game, and he basically said, uh, there's a quote from Rose that said, if it was up to me, I would run pick and rolls the whole game. And if we have Chris Stapps Porzingis, that's sort of music to our ears, because what did we like in the preseason was Brandon Jennings running pick and rolls or pick and pops with them. So right. maybe not long-term here, that this wouldn't be the long game, but while Rose is still trying to learn all the motions and little tidbits of this offense that he needs to, to be running it fluidly, this could be something that we take advantage of. 
Let him just run some pick and rolls. Let him get to the rim and let KP flare out for some easy jump shots. So it could work. Yeah, I hope so. Um, I think it, I think it could work. I'm just worried about the mentality he gets into when he's like just ready to. Yeah, when things start breaking down, he's just going to start charging at the rim and hoping for the best. This was, you know? this was what I was a little bit fearful of, though. I said, contract year Derrick Rose. In all of my articles that I've wrote the, over the uh, summer, I made sure that I noted all my predictions for Derrick Rose were based loosely around contract year Derrick Rose. This- oh, yeah, and contract year Derrick Rose is the scariest Derrick Rose. Contract year Derrick Rose might be even scarier than, like, recovering from injury Derrick Rose. A- absolutely. He needs to get paid. It, it, He's got to cash so out. So unpredictable. He's so unpredictable. Yeah, so that's the, um, that's the biggest thing to keep an eye on is is he going to make the team decision or is he still just trying to get these buckets and cash out going into the next summer? So um, speaking of contract year and our point guard and all that, um, so we're going to introduce a segment here called Throw Shit at the Wall. Um, in this segment, we like to make a bold prediction for the week, but since it is the season opener... A uh, little special edition. We're going to make our predictions, our bold predictions for this season. Um, and I'll I'll start us off here where I don't think Derrick Rose plays well enough to have a contract year this year. Um, or maybe he does, but I don't foresee him re-signing with the Knicks because I have a, another name in mind. I think that on opening night next year, the New York Knicks starting point guard will be Chris Paul. The long-winded pipe dream. The long-winded pipe dream of Chris Paul. But this is the first year where I finally think it might actually happen because I'm taking a look at, you know, I'm taking a look at the Clippers and I got to say this is the last run. This has got to be the last go around. I mean, they can't they can't keep up with this insanity uh, of just trying the same thing with Chris Blake and uh, DeAndre, you know, over and over and over again. And it's it's just it's fabled, it's long winded, and they're at a point in their career. Uh, Chris Paul, uh, Mello, any of the other gauntlet of friends they all have, where they kind of need to make it a, a do or die thing. They need to really create their super team. And I just I've been thinking about it, I've been sitting on it for the last week, and it just it's seeming to make sense to me. I think that if it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen this next year. So hopefully uh, we can all say that we hear it here first, but I believe that Chris Paul will be a New York Nick come the 2017 season. Look, I, I, I would much rather have Chris Paul over Derrick Rose, almost any version of Chris Paul. Uh, I'd rather have over Derrick Rose. So I, I would take this older embattled version of him, but um, I don't see it because we are the New York Knickerbocker franchise and seldom do we make these smart decisions now here's here's where my medium-ish hot take comes in Rose is going to play just well enough to average an inefficient 22 points per game (laughs) and he's going to use this to show potential to re-sign with the Knicks that's what I think deep down in my bones like I it hurts like I can feel it it hurts inside of me that we're going to re-sign Derrick Rose. And I don't think it's going to be like a monster deal, but probably something similar to what he has now. And given the cap climate, that wouldn't be like a terrible... At least three years, too. Yeah, it's going to be like a three-year, four-year deal. 
And that's what I feel deep down because the sensible thing doesn't often work. And this is why I don't think Chris Paul, because he's a free agent after next year, right? Yeah. So here's what I'm thinking. Basically, if someone's going to get Chris Paul, I think it's going to be a sign and trade. And I don't know that we have the assets because think about it. If the Clippers are going to blow it up, they're going to try to get some assets. So we only really have one asset. And his name is Chris Saps Porzingis. Right. So the only way that I see us getting him, Chris Paul, is if we part with, or anybody on the Clippers for that matter, if they're going to blow it up and they were talking to us, they want Chris Stapps. They want somebody who's young, who can be groomed, who can develop slowly and wait out that Warriors, just terrifying hurricane over there. So I'd like to see Chris Paul. I'd like to see them just like battle it out, duke it out with the Warriors. It doesn't work out. And then he walks in the summertime for nothing and walks all the way over to New York. That'd just be, it would be beautiful. It'd make my heart swoon yeah. a little bit, but yeah, I, I'm just worried. So, couple of points to your points here, because as much as, first of all, I, I totally agree that Rose is going to put up an inefficient 22 this year. There's, I don't think that Rose knows another way to get 22 points, but whatever happens, he's going to score a lot and it's not going to be entirely great this year. Um, Secondly, um, I think that Chris Paul is going to leave Los Angeles as a free agent because I think that Steve Ballmer uh, is still really gung ho on trying to get things done after buying the franchise. Uh, you know, this is still the most successful Clippers team ever, ever. Um, and so I think he's really going to try to ride that out for what it's worth, and um, you know, really, really just try and see if there's anything there. I know that there was one prediction for the Clippers to be the um, NBA champion this year. So, yeah, one analyst was pulled on that and saw that. Um, but I also don't think that um, signing Chris Paul will be an entirely smart decision. I think that if it were to happen and when we look at it, because um, he'll, he'll end up with a five-year max, I mean, regardless of where he goes or where he ends up signing with. But I don't think that Chris Paul has enough left in the tank to give you five years of maximum value. Two and a um, half. And we, yeah, yeah, two and a half, something like that. So that's what kind of restores a little bit of my faith of this actually happening because we are the New York Knicks franchise and they're no strangers to um, signing aging players to five-year max contracts. In fact, it's exactly and what we do. That's our thing. They, that's just the thing. That's just that's how they go about business. So... Maybe this one will be, you know, the finally the one that sticks and finally the one that kind of helps for a few years. And I would feel really, really good about it, even if he's only effective for two years. But, you know, the more I kind of look at the situation, I, I, I mean, I'm not saying anything's going to happen. I just see a possibility. I think that it's it's it could it could happen. I see a, a route. And as a Knicks fan, I'm going to try to live on that island. So. Okay, so speaking of point guards real quick, a little small backtrack here, but a couple of uh, decent guards, Archie Goodwind, was cut mm -hmm. by the Phoenix Suns. Um, obvious clamoring here by most of us, all of us, that uh, maybe we take a flyer on him because we're, again, always weak at the guard position. And he played pretty good for Phoenix last um, uh, last year. I thought so too. I was very surprised when he uh, when he was cut. And he seems like kind of a project player, and he played pretty well for a project player. So it didn't seem right to me that he got 
cut. I kind of felt the same on Hunter from Celtic. Uh, yeah, RJ Hunter from yeah. uh, Boston, but I actually don't like RJ Hunter. I just know that everyone else likes him because of length and athleticism and things like that. But uh, good one. I want to take a flyer on. Yeah, I, I I absolutely agree with that too. And the way I'm looking at it is that there are five rookies on this Knicks team already. Uh, and there's like two, at least two more serious prospects uh, stashed down in Westchester with Cleo Anthony Early and uh, Damian Inglis. So, like, why not just swap out a bunch of these ro- of these rookies around, or these uh, you know, not so rotation players around? Just what do you like? What do they honestly have to lose? What do they see more in uh, you know, a player like? I don't know any like what do they see more in Ron Baker than Archie Goodwin or someone like that? You know, we're looking at guys yeah. with very lightly guaranteed contracts, um, easy to swap out. And if if you're gonna carry five rookies on a roster and then have a couple of big prospects in your Westchester team too, like why why not really just try to have the best rookies you can in there? You're you're not losing anything. You're not you know you might not be gaining a whole lot right away, but it's, it's got to be worth the risk. No, I agree. I mean, we always need help at the perimeter. Goodwin would be a move signaling that it would make sense. You know, I was joking around on Twitter earlier today about, you know, well, obviously we're going to end up with Jordan Farmar who got cut as well, you know. But, <laughs> but um, and then we could see that vaunted uh, Sasha Vujicic and Jordan Farmar two-guard lineup. But anyway, um, yeah, Goodwin would make sense. You could throw Ron Baker in the D-League, let him actually play some minutes, the Clay Anthony role the last couple of years. Just let him play yep. whatever he stashed. If he, if he plays well, bring him up like that one time we brought Jimmer up. If not, let him sit. And then, For a good couple of days. <laughs> I had a lot of fun when Jimmer joined the team. <laughs> yeah, Jimmer's something else, man. Yeah. He's in. He'll, he'll keep showing up. I'd like to see him like just every two or three years just keep signing a contract <laughs> with the Knicks and just showing up for a game or two. <laughs> Um, so, um, hop off the court for a second here, but we had a couple of, uh, a little little bit of a big announcement came out today. Uh, our star, star student, Chris Ops has just signed a pretty big deal. Uh, the largest shoe deal of all time for a European player with Adidas. Um, yeah, pretty, pretty interesting. What do you think of the looks? I like the way the shoes look. I mean, I was kind of vocal about that earlier i i do i do enjoy them um they look kind of clean to me for adidas because adidas usually tries to do a lot of weird things weird concepts with their shoes like for example the john wall shoes yeah no one buys the john wall shoes (laughs) so that's that's sort of the case in point i mean dames were pretty popular people like the damien and other shoes but they've kind of gone with a really clean simple concept the last couple years if you looked at the james harden shoes it's the same thing so I like what I'm seeing from them. Um, I, I don't know. I, everything looks good about it to me. I think it's a good good move for yeah. KP. Obviously, he got by far the largest deal that's ever been uh, got for a European player. So I mean, yeah, lots of incentives in there too. Um, I just I just like them uh, going with the big man here. I like that they're finally kind of kind of found a athlete that they can go around that doesn't necessarily fit the mold of the regular person you know someone who's a little bit bigger you got the seven footer and they look like big man shoes for sure they do Uh, they do but i think the biggest thing is he's got such an appeal to him i mean and not even in the sense that you know 
he's cool. I mean, we see the highlights. These are big, flashy highlights with the putback dunks. But, you know, someone brought up the good point, too. Uh, another thing is he speaks three different languages. Yep. He, I mean, I, I, he might speak four. I, I know it's three for sure. I was, I think there was rumors of him speaking Italian as well. But I know he is super fluent in English, super fluent in Spanish, and obviously super fluent in his native language, the Latvian. So that's a lot of appeal. So think about the different media outlets he can speak to. And especially in this area too, where, you know, New York, the tri-state area, this is a heavy bilingual area. So if, you know, the, the kids, the little Spanish kids in New York, and they're seeing you speak their language, that's appealing. That's something yeah, that interests absolutely. them. The, these are things, he, he's a cool guy. And that's why you see this contract, because that's what it symbolizes. You symbolize a guy who can reach out to these different cultures in in a sense. And again, he's a flashy big man. We see the crossovers. We see the little spin moves and shimmies. And, you know, it, it's it's nice that a big man got rewarded because oftentimes the shoes don't work, even no matter yeah. how good you are. I just think that it really goes to show like what an asset this kid is on on this team and just really on the league as a whole and all the different um, you know entities that interact with the NBA. It's just he's really surprisingly and really uh, really awesomely embraced the role that he's been given and put into as a savior of this New York Knicks franchise um, and it just. It just integrate himself into the into all of the surroundings he has, and he's just he's always very open and welcome to whatever comes his way. Um, I, yeah, I'm I think it's a a great reward for him, and I think that he's going to be a big help on this team going forward, and just establishing a uh, a culture, and getting the right pieces in place to really make it a winning culture. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's huge for him, and I think he's uh. I think he's got a lot of a lot of places you can go from here. I think it's really still just a start. It's amazing that the, he's still only in his rookie or his uh, second year. Yeah, I mean he's only because he's only twenty. Yeah, he's only twenty. I mean, it's uh, it's impressive. Yeah, it's definitely impressive. I think that there's going to be, I think a lot more people are going to be hopping on to um, his wagon this year. I think that we we've really just kind of scratched the surface of, I guess, really the respect that he can bring back to the team. Yeah, you know, it, it's kind of surprised me that. I mean, Mello, when the way he came onto the team and the way that his contract negotiations went, and just the little things over the first couple of seasons he had in New York, whether it be with like Jeremy Lin or not working well with Amari Stoudemire, he kind of didn't do much to take the Knicks away from that laughing stock kind of um, idea that was drawn around them around the league with other player with other uh, fans. But I think that this is the first time in a long time, possibly really since like. For real, since Ewing, uh, with little flashes in between, but finally we might be able to get a shred of dignity and respect back from some of the other fans around the league. But the thing is, I mean, he's just highly respected in the sense that, again, these guys, these the most analytical minds on Twitter, these are this is the a guy, this is the guy that they look at. It's basically him and Carl Anthony Towns are the, are the big men going forward, and you know, it's it's sort of like everyone hate watches the Knicks. I mean, myself included, because I can't remember how many times I see Chris Epps floating wide open on the three-point line, just like waiting right. for the ball and no one feeds it to him. And like everyone else in the world, especially on NBA Twitter, they see these things. And it's like, we have our guy feed your guy. And they tell us the same things too. Like, you know, don't wonder why the Knicks are bad. You know, you got to feed Chris Epps. Chris Epps should be the main right. option. So, 
it's it's fun that everyone believes in him the way we believe in him too. It's not just some false hope that we've been blowing smoke into. You know, this is it's nice for once that it's it's a concrete thing. It's a real thing yeah. that if he stays healthy, this is a, a real player so that'll be real, here for a, a while. A real chance with some real potential. Yeah. All right. Uh, so what do we got coming up this week on the site? You just uh, you had a piece come out on Monday, didn't you? Yeah, I was. Uh, basically, it was the climate of the fans. Um, okay. I was just going over how there's always seemingly a stark contrast between the two types of Knicks fans you find. I mean, most commonly on Twitter or on social media, you find basically uh, the common Knicks Twitter, as I, I've so affectionately referred to them as, where. Anytime we trade for a guy, even if we don't, every season, we're just the Knicks, so somehow we're going to win 50 games. It's like, we, we got those fans, and then we got... Somehow, somehow, somehow magically, somehow, 50 games will be... Jose Calderon, comeback player of the year, the last three years, <laughs> you know? But um, that's what we always deal with, and, and, it's, and it's frustrating because despite whatever evidence you give them, and it's a lot, and I've tried to fight these battles, and, and you can't win most of the time, they just won't let you win. And they just spew rhetoric at you most of, most of the time, and it's frustrating. So I was basically discovering how we have the common Knicks fan and we have the realistic Knicks fans. The real, most of the people that we interact with or most of the, the smarter people that I'll go on a limb and say that um, kind of realize, like, look, hey, Derrick Rose hasn't been good at basketball lately. That's not an indictment. We don't hate Derrick Rose, but Derrick Rose hasn't been good at basketball. So this trade for Derrick Rose isn't exactly exciting because he hasn't been good at basketball. And right. then there's common Nick's Twitter who's like, what do you mean? He's only 27. He was just an MVP, even though the MVP was five years ago. Oh, yeah, five well, long well he's ago. he's back from injuries now. Now it's another full uh, year of being healthy. Guess what? The, after the All-Star break, he averaged 18 points. And it's like, well, yeah, but did you see how he averaged 18 points? It wasn't that good. And also, he right. gave it up was, a lot of points. Weird. And the thing also with him is that people need to realize about that um, – yeah, you know, that discussion that comes up with his MVP season. It's a, it's only been five years, but the league has transformed dramatically in five years. Uh, there There is no Golden State Warrior type team going on uh, five years ago where they play these death lineups and the small ball and all this thing. You know, when Rose won the MVP, he had Noah and Carlos Boozer playing with him. This is true. You know, yeah, two big guys clogging up down there. Th- that's where he was thriving, and it's not the same kind of league anymore. No, so, I mean, that was basically what I was going over, because a lot of the stuff you read, you know, Brandon Jennings is going to star off the bench. He's going to average 15-plus off the bench. He's going to be sixth man of the year. And yeah. while these are all things that you certainly hope for, you know, these aren't things that I ever expect. And that's what the article covered. It was... There's a difference between like things that I hope happen and things that are actually going to happen. And a lot of times the things that they hope are going to happen are things that they truly believe are actually going to happen. And I used to think it was like younger guys or kids, but it's a lot of grown people who who really, truly believe that the Knicks are always going to be good for no other reason than the Knicks are going to be good. And that was right. basically... It's, it's their team, and they, their team has right. to succeed regardless, and even though time and time again been proven otherwise. So, I mean, that was kind of um, the crux of the article. Yeah, right on. That, uh... Yeah, so that, that went up on Monday. Mm-hmm. We also had a, a roundtable come out, roundtable discussion we do every couple of months um, on this season's expectations and predictions. Uh... Yeah, you know, if pretty much where we see this team ends up, a little bit of a few snippets from all the writers around the site, you can kind of get a better glimpse at where we 
think this team will really end up at the end of the year. Now, for the sake of the pod, where did you have the Knicks finishing? Just where do well, I didn't have a uh, I didn't have a contribution in this uh, this week's roundtable. I have the Knicks because I the reason being that I just have been scratching my head back and forth. Uh, just, just no idea really where to place them. Um, you know, I have, I have this sense of optimism about the Knicks. I guess I'm kind of like one of those fans you were writing about <laughs> where I, I, but I think it may be a little bit more tempered. Uh, you could have tempered optimism. The, I'm talking yeah, about, the, I'm talking about the guys who are saying 55 wins in Eastern conference finals. That's that, those are the guys that this was directed at. Yeah. That that's higher than my ceiling. Uh, I flirted with the 40 win idea for a little bit. Um, but I was watching this team tonight and just kind of their level and readiness and where they are right now. And uh, I, I think I'm a 35 to 38 kind of person. I think they got enough to kind of pull a stretch out of them. Well, they'll be good maybe in the middle or towards the end of the season, but it's going to take 30 games. It's going to, it's going to take 30 games for them to get good for them to figure out where they're going. There's a lot of work to be done. And contrary to if, I mean, if uh, in the article it may sound like I was a little bit harsh, but contrary to that, I actually have them at forty. I talked myself into it, and um, oh really? Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, and it was mostly due to this. Okay, they won thirty-two games last year with a solid center, with a first-year KP, and with a team ball playing Melo. Okay, that's kind of the crux of it. So this is kind of what I started thinking about. No matter what, Derrick Rose, even if it's slight, is an upgrade over Jose Calderon. And yes. to supplement him, you have Brandon Jennings, who was also an upgrade over Jose Calderon. So let's start there. Derrick Rose ranked 82nd out of 85th in overall, like, uh, I think, efficiency last year for, for guards. This is like offensive and defensive. He just sure. he just did not shoot well, and he allowed a zillion points. So here's my thing. Contract, Rose, Derrick Ro- uh, contract year, Derrick Rose will not be the 82nd out of 85th worst guard this season. Now, this doesn't mean he's going to be the 15th best guard. This means he could be in the 50s, and that's not even playing well. It's just not playing as bad. And I think a lot of these predictions on the Knicks winning 35 games or 36 games was based on Derrick Rose playing terrible basketball the exact same way he played the last two years. That's where they're getting the numbers from. So basically all I'm saying is he'll be bad. For sure, in my opinion, he won't be <laughs> he won't be as bad for sure. And to that same note there, Joe Kim Noah won't be as bad as he's been the last couple of years. Not I have that a lot I, of hope for Noah this year, but yeah. I, I'd like to think that he wasn't he doesn't have like a long injury history. There's just a couple bad ones in there. So I think basically you're gonna have solid ish basketball out of the two of them, and you mix that with KP averaging a couple more points a game, getting some more looks. And I think, yeah, this roster is talented by default more than last year. And we won 32 last year. So that was kind of where my logic was. Was I think you see a, a small improvement. How much of that? I mean, it, we'll see. But I, I just think based, based on we made some upgrades at guard position, no matter which way you look at it. And uh, those upgrades won't be nearly as bad as they've been in the past. That's kind of how I got to 40. I yeah, felt it was I agree fair. with that. I think uh, this the floor has been set, and there, there's really for a lot of players on the roster, there's nowhere to go but up. Um, I just, for some reason, to me in my head, the 
the gap between 30 and 40 is just really bigger than the numbers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We will, we'll just have to wait for a couple of months to figure that out, I guess. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we got a couple of other little things going on. I know, uh, Bailey Carlin's got a piece on uh, Maurice Endor coming out on Wednesday. We didn't see too much of him tonight, uh, if any at all. But uh, maybe we can get a little bit of a better look at him. He's been kind of floating around the last two years. But uh, check out Bailey's piece. He's got a little better idea on that. And, um, yeah, I guess that's really about it for this week. Uh, You guys can make sure to visit us at nickswall.com and at Twitter. Uh, at the next wall we're dying to hear from you we'll be reading off all your tweets questions and mentions in our upcoming episodes uh we'd even love to get a couple of lucky followers on there to join us uh but in the meantime check out the articles we were talking about before we've also got a uh part of our off the wall interview series with the wall street journal's chris herring up now uh he's a really really great guy we thank chris a lot for joining us that uh that day you know give us a little guidance and uh where he thinks the Knicks will be going this season. Um, yeah, we got pregame, postgame coverage after every game this season, before every game this season. Uh, just got a piece up from Reed Goldsmith now. And uh, I guess we'll leave that for you guys to check out now. All right, take it easy. All right, take care, man. Good talking to you. You too.